BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. What do you know? It turns out that Donald Trump is right. This election is rigged. <laughs> this election is rigged, or is it's people are trying to rig it, in support of Donald Trump. None other than James Comey is trying, and the FBI is trying to rig this election against Hillary Clinton and for Donald Trump. James Comey, the worst FBI director since J. Edgar Hoover. Comey, you know, Hoover used to play this game with politicians. Man. I got secret photos. You better be afraid of me. I got these photos. And Comey's playing the same game. So I got these secret emails. Oh, yeah. You don't know what's in them. I'm never going to show them to you. But I'm just going to just say I've got them. Right? What an outrageous thing to do. Whatever you think about Hillary Clinton, whatever you think about Donald Trump, all Americans, I think, ought to be outraged at what James Comey did on Friday. It was outrageous, it was irresponsible, it is indefensible, and let me tell you something else that most people are not willing to say. It was clearly partisan. This guy's a big Republican, appointed by President Obama. Why? I don't know. Thank you, Obama, for putting this guy in charge. <clears throat> and when a he, real life thanks Obama. Yeah, and when, you, when he came out in July, after a year and a half investigation, and saying, we looked at all these emails, it was careless, it was sloppy, and it was. Big mistake for Hillary to do that in the first place. But he said there is no criminal activity and no reasonable prosecutor would press charges. He got so much crap from his fellow Republicans that he's been hurting ever since. And now, when his FBI agents came to him and said, oh, we're investigating, oh, God, I have to say the name Anthony Weiner. I hate to even say it. But we're looking into Anthony Weiner sexting to a 15-year-old girl in North Carolina. And suddenly in his laptop, we discover emails from his wife to Hillary Clinton. Some of them, we're not really sure which ones or whatever, on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Then Comey says, "Uh uh-oh, we'd better tell Congress We suddenly have this great big news, this great big problem, and we're just going to and but and we're just going to put it out there. But here's the deal: in that letter he wrote, in fact, Peter, you might pull up that letter because it is so bureaucraties. It says absolutely nothing. But he drops a stink bomb in the middle of this election. At that time, there were 11 days to go. Before, when, he, when he dropped it last Friday, before we decide the next president of the United States, right at that time, and yet he doesn't say how many emails they have. He doesn't say where they came from. He doesn't say who they're to or who they're from. 
Uh, he does say that none of them are from Hillary Clinton's private email server in her house. And so it's this great big unknown, except, and he hasn't even looked at them yet. The FBI just got permission from a judge yesterday to start examining these emails. But before he knows anything, he drops this stink bomb, uh, violating Justice Department policy, which always is never do anything about an ongoing investigation, never say anything about ongoing an ongoing investigation just before the election, because it will look like the FBI or the Department of Justice is putting their hands on the scales. So they never, never, never do that. He was warned not to do it by the Justice Department. He did it anyway, and you know why? Because he has turned the FBI into CYA. That's exactly what this is all about. It's outrageous. I have the letter uh, yeah. right here. I, I'm not going to read the whole thing because no, it's a little long, but I'm going to get right to the point where he says, yeah. um, uh, because these emails <laughs> appear to be pertinent to our investigation, I agreed that we should take appropriate steps to obtain and review them. Of course, we don't ordinarily tell Congress about ongoing investigations, but here I feel an obligation to do so, given that I was test- that I testified repeatedly in recent months that our investigation was completed. I also think that it would be misleading to the American people were we not to supplement the record. At the same time, however, given that we don't know the significance of this newly discovered collection of emails, I don't want to create a misleading impression. In trying to strike that balance in a brief letter and in the middle of an election season, there's a significant risk of being misunderstood, but I wanted you to hear directly from me about it. Signed, Jim Comey. Yeah. Now, what does that say? I mean, the idea, the very idea that I'm not sure... There's any sig- anything significant yeah. here? How can he say that? What we're talking about an election for the president of the United States? Of course, it's significant. Anything related to it is significant. So again, what have we found out? Like since we found out since that the Department of Justice warned Comey, you should not do this. This violates every policy, every practice of the Department of Justice, going back decades, right? Uh, We also find out now there were 650,000 emails. How the hell did they get, by the way, on Anthony Weiner's laptop, right? That's a big question. We also know that none of them came, that none of these were Hillary Clinton's emails on her email servers. But there could be lots of duplicates of emails that they've already looked at which maybe were forwarded to Huma and somehow ended up on this laptop that she shared with her husband? God, who knows? And we've also been told by the FBI that there is no way that they will ever be able to get through these emails. Remember, they just got a permission yesterday, so they've just started. There's no, no way they'll be able to get through these emails and have any conclusion before November 8th. So you have this big, dark cloud hanging over the election until then. I think there's only one answer. Uh, I think, again, outrageous for Comey to do this. But having done this, having raised this question, I think the only answer is he's got to dump all those emails out there and let the media and the public pour through them and let us decide whether there's anything to them or not. You know, this thing has been so screwed up. I mean, how can he just sit on this stuff and and have all these questions raised? He cannot do it. Cannot do it. That's a good point. I mean, you, you look at how badly they've handled this from the get-go. Uh, why not at this point? Just put them all out there. Yeah. 
Two other quick things. I want to get your call, calls on the eight six six fifty five press. So, and the big question is, will this make any difference in this election? Remember, twenty one people, twenty one million people have already voted. So, will this make any difference? One other thing I got to say about James Comey is. <laughs> You're not done, huh? No, I'm not done. <laughs> We're going to have to pull but you off. But if the of FBI him. has time to be looking into efforts to influence this election and looking into emails and looking into leaked emails, why aren't they investigating what Russia is doing, clearly doing, in trying to rig this election on behalf of Donald Trump? I mean, here's a foreign government that is hacking emails of the DNC and John Podesta and releasing emails only on the Democratic side, clearly to help Donald Trump. And what's the FBI doing about that? Nothing. Why not? Tell, don't tell me James Comey is not a partisan hack. That's exactly what he is. That's exactly why I did this. CYA, he's just trying to cover his ass for his Republican colleagues. Let's check in on the impact of Comey's big uh, announcement and uh, where this goes from here with a good friend, Eli- uh, our good friend Elias Isquith, who is the executive editor of Cafe.com, joining us again this morning. Hey, Elias, good to talk hey. to you, as always. Hey, so, folks. Hey, man. Uh, what's going to be the impact of this? Make any difference? And why did Comey do it? Uh, I don't think it's going to make a big difference. The best theory I've heard about what impact it has says it could, uh, you know, depress the turnout of, you know, Hillary Clinton voters who are sort of on the fence. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that this is going to be really kind of too in the weeds for most people Mm -hmm. to care, and most people have made up their mind already. Um, But, you know, so that's my best guess on what impact it has. Yeah, I think from... I kind of agree with you because I think for most people, emails are emails are emails, right? They're not going to distinguish between these emails and the other emails. And and Hillary said this the other day that most people have probably made up their mind about the emails, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I saw something (laughs) to your point in the Washington Post where people are saying to understand this story, you have to disentangle the multiple email Hillary, you know, scandal stories. Right. Uh, you know, it's just like it's an onion. And I think most people are, I mean, I think part of what you see when people say they, they wish there were a third choice way back when was that they're tired of dealing with these kinds of, like, scandals that you dig into and you're not sure anything is there. Now, uh, in terms, go ahead. Well, yeah, I think I, uh, where you're going is where I was going, is is in terms of why Comey would do this, right? I mean, there's there reports now that, Inside the C- the FBI, he was getting pressure from some of his agents who didn't think he was tough enough on Hillary and and pushing him. Now we got this new stuff. We got to go out with it. And he was also getting pressure from Republicans in Congress who thought he'd been too soft on Hillary. And so, is this is this a giant CYA on his part? I think so. That's I mean that that interpretation makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, and then some idea that he thought he was, you know, going to tip the balance. Is there anybody who has caused more problems for the Clintons in the last few years than Anthony <laughs> Weiner? Jesus. What? Yeah, have you have you guys heard the joke already that, Uh-oh. you know, 
No. The joke I'm hearing people make is he's he's living proof yeah. that the Clintons don't know how to kind of get rid of their enemies. You know that absurd conspiracy <laughs> right. theory people have. Oh, it's yeah. like you know if that were true, why is Anthony Weiner still <laughs> you know no matter what uh, kind of forcing himself onto the scene? People still think the Clintons killed Vince Foster. I, I think this is pretty definitive proof that they didn't right, kill exactly. Vince Foster. Like if they were capable of this, they would have done it to Anthony Weiner by now. Yeah, when I found out it was him, part of me was like, of course. It has to be. <laughs> like, of course it's him. Because in some sense, it felt like we were, you know, if this election were like a horror movie, it felt like we were making yeah. our way finally towards the finish line. And yeah. then his hand sort of right. like pops from under the dirt and grabs us by the ankle. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard somebody say the other day that about how, you know, by Hillary's probably sorry about this, and so is Huma, and so is Anthony Weiner. And I said, oh, no, Anthony Weiner's not sorry about this. I don't think so. This puts no. Him right, no, this puts him right back in the center of everything, right? Totally. Oh. I mean, the man couldn't, can't say no to any spotlight. In addition to the candidates that are on the ballot uh, this time around, not only for president, of course, but for Senate, for Congress, for state legislatures, for governors. I can tell you as a Californian uh, that, uh, and having just voted, that there are also many ballot measures uh, up this time around, uh, as there are just about every election. No state, I think, has more of them than California. I, I forget how many, 15 or 20 this year. It took a long I mean, you almost have to take a doctoral course to vote in, Cal in California. Uh, and in many jurisdictions, there are ballot measures related to the minimum wage. Molly Kane is a research associate for the Center for American Progress Action Fund, uh, headed by our good friend Igor Volsky. Uh, and uh, Molly has been working on this minimum wage question, joins us in studio. Molly, it's good to see you. Thank you for having me. So let's start, first of all, with... Um, so the ballot measures are for action in the future, mm -hmm. the cities might take, but many cities have already moved, of course, we have to, to do something about the minimum wage uh, in the absence of any action on the part of Congress. Right. Since Republican leaders took over, especially in the Senate in 2015, there hasn't been any consideration on a federal minimum wage bill. So last time we voted on that was in 2014 which we all probably remember didn't go so hot, uh, with every Republican except for one voting against raising the federal minimum wage. Um, and, but, so, and so the last time it was raised was under... In 2009. 2009 yeah. under President Bush. Yes. Um, uh, and up so, to 725, correct? Yes, up to the 725 that people have today. And, that and that's still what it is today. Yep, yeah. which means it's um, been eroded by inflation every year. So it's worth less than it was in the 1960s today. So in absence of federal um, action, cities and states have had to take over. Um, since late 2012, 17 million workers have received a raise thanks to state and local action. And so um, my report looks How at many? state and local. Seven? Um, 17 million workers. Um, 32 cities have raised the minimum wage um, since 1993, um, with a lot of motion happening in recent years. In 2014, 12 cities raised it. In 2015, something around 15 cities raised their minimum wages. Hmm. Wow. So most of this has happened in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Right. Is this a result of the um, $15 program of the the fast food workers? Yeah, the Fight for 15 movement. Fight for 15. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are attributing um, the progress towards it to that movement. Um, 
workers are asking for a living wage instead of the poverty wage we have at the federal minimum wage. Right, because if you're at 725 and you're working a 40-hour week, you're living in poverty. Yeah. Um, actually, if you have any children and you're a single parent, you actually technically are below the federal poverty line if you work full time at the minimum wage. And a lot of people argue that the federal poverty line doesn't even actually accurately depict f poverty. So uh, so with these, with these cities, um, what are what are some of the cities? What are some of the main cities, first of all? Yeah. So some of the main cities um, you've probably heard about in the news, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco, some of the big ones. There's been movement in New York. Um, Berkeley, right? Oakland? Yeah, Berkeley and Oakland. So yeah, in my study, there's a lot of California cities, mm -hmm. thanks to your home state. Or, yeah. um, <laughs> or well, we, we home vote state now. is Delaware, yeah. but now we I'm share a home California. state. <laughs> okay. And and others other cities around the country. It's not all. California. Yeah, some in New Mexico, Las Cruces, Albuquerque. Um, Santa Fe, um, others in other parts of the country have had um, yeah, has movement. Has the East Coast kept up with the with the West Coast? Well, the East Coast is the DC DC is a huge driver in the East right. Coast. DC's raised it eight times since 1993. They were actually the first city to raise the minimum wage in 1993. And have all of these cities gone to $15 or? or is no, it? not all of them are going to $15. Actually, the ones on the ballot, um, a couple are going to 12, um, but there is some movement to go to 15. Uh, and even at 15, I mean, you use a phrase which I thought was a key phrase, which is a living wage, mm -hmm. which uh, Bernie Sanders talks about. Um, actually, the Catholic Church has always talked about, and it's in the popes in their encyclicals. Uh, even is, you could argue that even $15 is not a living wage, right? Right. You could argue that. I mean, there's the MIT has the living wage calculator where they do a bunch of math and figure out what's a good living wage for people. Um, in the D.C. area, if you have even one child, it's around $31 an hour as a living wage. So Whoa. Yeah. Um, so 15 isn't even really cutting it. Jeez. But um, And we already see opposition yeah. against that. I mean, Mitch McConnell has said... Oh, Repeatedly, we aren't going to debate these gosh darn proposals when we bring up minimum wage. <laughs> Paul Ryan says we want to push wages up, but then he opposes raising the minimum wage, citing some number like a million jobs will be killed, but that we don't really see that to be the case. And for the record, uh, so far as I know, Donald Trump's position is no minimum wage at all. Yeah, he said that wages are too high. And now sometimes he backpedals, saying that maybe he'll consider raising it, which I think it's mostly because he realizes that not uh, not supporting raising the minimum wage is actually really bad politics. Even though it's really bad policy, I mean, raising we know many, raising the minimum wage cuts poverty, reduces inequality, and grows local economies, but it's also horrible politics. That's actually something <laughs> I wanted to ask about, like yeah. the optics of that, right? Because I... I, I, I don't understand how the Republican yeah, what, Party can just be consistently against paying people $15 an hour. Right, and that's been their stance, I mean, consistently throughout history, mm -hmm. right? Like, every minimum wage hike that we've seen has seen opposition from the Republican Party, and we're doing okay. Right. right? Like, we're, we're doing all right. Right, that's actually the springboard of the research I've done recently. I mean, you look back and you hear the same talking points. When Reagan was governor in 1980, he said something along the lines of, the minimum wage has caused more misery and unemployment since the Great Depression, and you hear those same talking points repeated today of like Ted Cruz, Paul Ryan, the leaders in the Senate, all all Senate Republicans except for Bob Corker voted against it in 2014. And so when you actually look at the evidence, we have plenty of academic studies that use statistics and find that there is no discernible impact on on, on employment. 
And then if you even look at the cities, I mean, my paper looks at the cities and from every for every minimum wage hike from 1993 to the second quarter of 2015 due to data limitations, in 74% of the cases, unemployment wasn't higher a year later. Mm-hmm. And in most of the cases where it was higher is during the Great, De- Great Recession, where unemployment was higher due to the Great Recession. By the way, wow. Ronald, I just a little point. Ronald Reagan was president in 1989, oh, governor. Right. Oh, he was running for president when he said that quote. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now we get to these ballot measures ballot measures, mm-hmm. which uh, other cities trying to catch up? Is that these are city measures or state measures? They're both. They're both cities and states. So we have city measures in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Flagstaff, Arizona, and right here in Washington, D.C. D.C.'s to 15. So if you want to exercise your early voting right, you can vote for the minimum wage today. Um, Minneapolis and? Uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. Flagstaff. And hmm. then in May... Cleveland, Ohio is, has a ballot measure in May of next year. Um, and then at the state level, Arizona, Colorado, Maine, and Washington State have minimum wage on the ballot. Arizona, Colorado, Maine, and Washington State. Mm-hmm. So this November. This November. So coming wow. to an election near you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> next uh, week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And all about the $15, $15 level? Um, Arizona, Colorado, and Maine are actually to 12 and Washington State's to 13.50. But cities have pushed further. Like A lot of Californian cities have pushed for 15 Now, do any of these measures um, link the, the minimum wage to inflation so that we don't have to have this battle right. every year or every two years, that it would just automatically adjust. I'm fairly certain that I think Arizona and Colorado links to uh, indexing, so indexing, that so right, the minimum wage doesn't get eroded over time. Mm-hmm. Actually, since 2009, since the last time I was raised, um, you have to work an extra about six weeks this year to earn the same amount if you work on the minimum wage that you did in 2009 due to inflation. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and, and very few people talk about that. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so that's, we get into it. That's fascinating. And a year later, it's obsolete. Yeah, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and it probably take you, you know, three the way we're going now, fifteen. Fifteen years. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Get around <laughs> Two election it. cycles. Yeah. And meanwhile, people just get further and further behind. To help us sort through it all, a man who was on the plane with Hillary Clinton when she got the news, Alex Seitzwald from MSNBC. You were sitting right alongside of Hillary, right? You know, we were just chatting like we do. Yeah, uh, right. Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're kept in the back of the plane. She's uh, up front. Uh, up front, right. But it was a pretty uh, surreal moment there. I mean, the, uh, I'm sure. Don't tell us all about okay. it now. <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little tease. Thanks. So, uh, tell us what it was like on Friday. Uh, so, first of all, there was no advance warning of this, right? None, yeah. I mean, no one on Capitol Hill got advance warning about this. No one on the Clinton campaign got advance warning about this. This was a complete bombshell, come totally out of the blue. It was reporters who broke it to the Clinton campaign. So, they had just come back on the plane. You know, the way it works, you're, the reporters are yeah, in the, the tail section. Uh, we're flying into Iowa, which is totally appropriate because Iowa's curse for Hillary Clinton. It derailed her 2008 campaign. We're coming in for the approach. They do this kind of chest-thumping press conference where they're talking about how they're going to go to Arizona and they're going to go to all these places. They don't do the Dean scream, but, you know, they're they're feeling very so good. So this is uh, Jennifer Palmieri. Jennifer Palmieri and Robbie Mook, the campaign Rob- oh, manager. Really? Yeah, yeah. And, and Robbie Mook, for the first time, 
rolls out the term the Hillary Coalition, which is like the Obama Coalition, but it includes Republicans and independents. And uh-huh. So this is, you know, they're feeling very, very confident. Yeah. And then they're kind of just lingering and chatting after they do this little press conference on the plane. And over the very creaky Wi-Fi on board the plane, we start to see just, you know, subject lines of emails dribbling in. FBI reopens email investigations and we ask their aides and there's this look of panic and they they run up to the front uh, and you know we land we hear nothing and as we land the, the press releases from Republicans start pouring in there's no news from from Clinton we're waiting for her on the tarmac it turns out she was uh, having a little meeting but also she was delayed getting off the plane because Annie Leibovitz the photographer yes. happened to be on board she was doing a little bit of a photo shoot at the front of the plane yeah, right uh, and you know then comes off has to walk past us as we shout questions and it just and finally you know she did a press conference later that day and they kind of got in front of it but for a few hours it was I think they were just barely you know catching up head underwater and when she did get in front of it what was her message basically you know that the at her news conference at, at her news conference right this is the second stop of the day this is after John Podesta put out a statement you know they went after uh, James Comey pretty hard on this they said it's not right for him to be dropping this 11 days before the election with so little information uh, and their message was that he needs to release more information he needs to explain what's going on here and this was before you know it was just those three paragraphs in that letter uh, before a lot of the reporting had kind of flushed this out we didn't really know about Anthony Weiner and Huma Abedin connection here we just we knew nothing um, and so that was their message and that's obviously what they've been cranking on this weekend uh, you must admit that the Comey letter and Peter you read a little bit of it earlier mm-hmm. I mean it's a bizarre letter it really doesn't say anything and 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 sort of assert it did, he does assert that he's not even sure this is significant, right? Right. Now, how can you say it's not significant when you're talking about an election for the president of the United States 11 days away? And now we know, in fact, uh, Alex, right, that he had been cautioned against doing this by Department of Justice officials speaking for the attorney general. Right. I mean, so everything we know about this, aside from those three paragraphs, has come out through anonymous sources, which is crazy that we're 11 days out and that's how we're getting informed about this. Yeah. But from yeah, what we've gathered... Anonymous sources inside the Justice Department. Inside the Justice Department. And there seems to be kind of two warring factions of anonymous sources here. Uh, you know, Justice Department people, Obama appointees, presumably, we're, we don't know, they're anonymous, but, you know, presumably. Uh, and then FBI people loyal to Comey presumably. Again, we don't know. Right. And so, yeah, we hear that uh, very senior Justice Department officials, including Loretta Lynch, warned him against doing this. This is, you know, they put out a memo every four years telling people in the Department of Justice, don't interfere with elections, which usually means 60 days, let alone 11 days. Uh, and we have a bunch of former Justice Department officials this morning. Eric Holder wrote an op-ed, the former attorney general in the Washington Post, saying this was not okay. And uh, you know, it, it's. He said he made a serious mistake in doing this. A serious mistake in doing this, right? That you, you should not be doing anything that even has the appearance of interfering with an election, and this certainly will go beyond that uh, in doing this. In Comey's defense, he told Congress when he testified in July, after he initially cleared Clinton, that he would keep them informed, and if something came up in this investigation, this this new mini investigation, whatever we want to call it. If he came out later and said it, if it was after the election, he would be, you know, raked over the coals by Republicans for sitting on it. So he was kind of in a lose-lose situation. Either he comes out now and gets hit by Democrats, or he comes out later and gets hit by Republicans. And so he came out now. You know, we'll see politically, bureaucratically, if that was the right decision. It's it's looking like at the moment it probably wasn't. Uh, but 
he's, you know, this is the first day back at work for most federal employees, and it's a very different political climate than when he left on Friday. Well, don't you, wouldn't you think that he would have to at least, he and he had not, he'd been informed, he said, the day before, Thursday, by his agents that they found these emails. Right. There are lots of questions. These could be all duplicates. These could be all private emails between Huma and her husband. Or the, we were, I think we've been told that none of these came from Hillary's private server, right? I, again, through anonymous leaks. Through but anonymous yes. leaks, okay. Yes. But don't you think he should have taken a look at these to see whether there was anything there before he comes out and writes a letter to Congress saying, uh-oh, we discovered all this stuff. Well, you better know about it. Exactly. Maybe and there's nothing there. It's very possible there's nothing there. And not only had they not looked at the emails, but they didn't even have the warrant that they needed to look, to at, the look emails, at the emails, which they only got last night. Last night, yeah. Right. So, so be, they, they had, you know, they were looking at Anthony Weiner's laptop in this unrelated investigation. They stumbled across these emails. We don't know who they're from, but something that they think might be connected to the Clinton investigation. They had to get a second warrant to do that. So they hadn't even begun looking at these. What I have heard, you know, from uh, Pete Williams and other of my colleagues yes. who cover the Justice Department, this process could could be very quick. They they could they're going to run this software presumably today to see if they're just duplicates of what's already out there, and that could conclude in a matter of hours. Uh, you know, that, that we might not get public information right away, but there is a sense inside the Department of Justice because they opened this can of worms on Friday that they're going to try to wrap it up as quickly as possible. Pete Williams has been way out in front on this story. He yeah. is a, a national treasure. He is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was one of the first ones to report. But he's also reported that this initially, at least, he said that that. We may not know anything until after the election. So that's that's the, the nightmare scenario for Clinton. These could all be duplicates. They could all be personal emails from Huma to you know Anthony Weiner, her her husband, now estranged, but you know about dinner or the kids or who knows what. But if there's anything that is work related that could potentially contain classified information, that will likely have to be sent to the intelligence community. Seventeen different agencies; they all have different competing turfs and you know spheres of influence. And that process, where they review whether this is indeed classified, that could take a long, long time. Over the weekend, uh, yet another earthquake shaking Italy—a very serious earthquake, not getting much attention here in the United States because we had an earthquake of our own named James Comey <laughs> on Friday uh, who shook things up for sure in the presidential election with news that uh, he had discovered some more Hillary Clinton-related emails. What does that all mean? We turn to uh, a good friend of ours uh, who's been out there campaigning hard for Hillary Clinton, a good congresswoman from uh, Texas 18th Congressional District, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Congresswoman, good to talk to you again. Good morning. Good morning to all of your listeners, Bill, Alex. It's good to be with you. So, Congresswoman, are you reconsidering your support for Hillary Clinton in light of the latest James Comey bombshell? Uh, I'm digging in, and uh, I hope the American people are likewise. You know, Bill, um, today uh, the other candidate remained as unfit, unlearned, uh, and as ill-tempered uh, for uh, the presidency as he was yesterday, uh, as he was last week, and as when uh, he became the GOP nominee. And I think the American people know that this is a destiny election. Uh, Hillary has said this is one of the most important or maybe the most important election in our lifetime, and Americans are serious. 
and they realize that they want to vote for an individual that really is going to be able to lead, invest in the economy, uh, help young people have a debt-free education, and just simply be the commander-in-chief that is necessary. We don't have that in the GOP candidate, regardless of the tricks that have been played over the last couple of days. Uh, if, if you don't mind, let me uh, raise uh, to uh, your listeners just uh, these few words uh, that came out of the letter uh, that was uh, written uh, by the director. Okay. I, don't wa- I don't want to create a misleading impression. Uh, and then it goes on in trying to strike a balance in the middle of an election. Uh, another sentence, there is significant risk of being misunderstood, but wanted you to hear from me directly. So do I you, think the, go ahead. Go, go, I think those words alone uh, tells us that uh, these actions were premature, uh, that the decision of four months ago uh, presently stands, uh, that we have no information, and that this was injected into the middle of uh, one of the most historic elections that this nation will ever see. So do you think he abused his power or violated policy by coming forth with this statement? Well, it's not uh, just me, Bill. Obviously, over 100 prosecutors, Republicans and Democrats, both, uh, uh, many of them whom I've known, I know Jamie Gorlick, I I know uh, uh, Deputy Attorney General Thompson, two of the best professionals that you could ever have, Republican and Democrat, who joined uh, to articulate in a very lucid manner uh, the uh, decades-long tradition of the Judiciary Committee. Remember, the judi- excuse me, the Judiciary, uh, the Department uh, Justice, Justice Department. Yeah, I'm on the Judiciary Committee. The Justice Department is really the, uh, the law enforcement and legal officer for the nation. Uh, their task is to be impeccable uh, and to be above any suggestion. You remember the issue uh, dealing with White House counsel and the Bush administration oh. uh, and how we had to fix that situation because they have to be impeccable. And therefore, they had a tradition that was followed by Republicans and Democrats uh, to not interfere 60 days out from an election, uh, short of some um, element that had to do with the breakdown of government or the elimination of government uh, that maybe uh, had to be shared with the American people. There is no law that requires any letter to the United States Congress on any form of investigation that is going on. Uh, The FBI is an agency within the department that does the police work, just like your local police. Mm -hmm. They're investigating things every day, and the announcement or the determination comes from that local prosecutor that makes a determination if they see fit uh, to announce uh, the results of the investigation that they're moving forward or determine not to announce it which is the role and prerogative of the Attorney General of the United States. Let's make that very clear. And so uh, the very words that were said suggest uh, that there was some doubt and problem with going out of order and being an independent actor, if you will, out of the order of the Justice Department. Not Sheila Jackson Lee, not Democrats, not Hillary Clinton, but the Justice Department. And I guess as a member of the Judiciary Committee that has such a great faith in the process of government and as well the agency that I have oversight over all these years, it is disappointing and sad. Uh, You're from Texas. Uh, Texas has gotten a surprising amount of attention this year as polls have tightened between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Do you think there's uh, 
any chance that she could actually win the state? I mean, it's it's hard to even conceive of it. But uh, let me tell you, we are we are we are ecstatic in the state of Texas. Uh, we had uh, a soul to the polls yesterday, and mm. we had standing well. ovations everywhere we went. Uh, let me um, say that Texas is growing up, and I hope that we can be victorious. We're three points difference. We remain that three points difference. Uh, a lot of our voters don't uh, don't respond to polls. We're seeing young voters come out. We're seeing the large Hispanic population respond to being called uh, murderers mm-hmm. and thieves uh, and rapists. Uh, we're seeing a, the heavy Muslim population, and we're seeing young people and new um, citizens, if you will. When I say new citizens, new residents of Texas who have moved in really mm-hmm. express uh, what is best about Texas. It's people and the diversity that we have. And I think we are really on the precipice of coming darn close uh, to being uh, a blue state, at least purple. And it's on the message of Hillary Clinton, her whole message of embracing new ideas. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Well, as we've been talking all morning, what do you know? It turns out this election is rigged after all, rigged by the FBI uh, and its director, James Comey, against Hillary Clinton. Look, what Comey did Friday is irresponsible, outrageous, and indefensible. He announced a whole new investigation by the FBI of Clinton's emails, even though the emails are not from Hillary Clinton's private server. They're on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Nobody at the FBI had yet reviewed those emails. He doesn't even know if they contain any classified information. He doesn't even know if they're significant. He says that. And he says they probably won't know anything until long after November 8th. And yet with so little information, and only 11 days ago at the time, he dropped a stink bomb into the middle of the presidential election violating decades of Justice Department policy of staying out of politics. But now that he's created such a mess, I'll say again, there's only one way to fix it. Release all of those newly discovered emails and let us see them all, and then we'll decide if they're significant or not. That's my parting shot for today, folks. Have a great Halloween trick-or-treat. We'll see you back here tomorrow, and we'll be looking for you. This is the Bill Press Show.